Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Joe. And during this time in our nation and in the world where we're, we've been being asked not to meet in groups, I thought I would do some devotions and even use the passages that I would have been preaching on these next two Sundays. We have canceled our Sunday services. And these will be just short devotions on the passages that we would have looked at together. But in Matthew chapter 16, as Jesus is getting closer to, you know, going to the cross, and as we get closer to celebrating the resurrection, in Matthew chapter 16, it says in verses 1 through 4, The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, When evening comes, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Then Jesus left them and went away. Well, you have the Pharisees coming, and they're demanding a sign from Jesus. And you know from the Pharisees' interactions with Jesus and all the comments they make, and you know just from knowing about them, these religious leaders, that they were very antagonistic toward Jesus. And, you know, he went around doing all kinds of good. This passage comes right after he feeds the 4,000 in the desert. <clears throat> and, you know, instead of sending them away like the apostles uh, suggested, he said, well, let's feed them ourselves. And so he multiplies the loaves and the fish and gives them all to eat and teaches them, you know, for hours and days on end, actually. And just encourages them by teaching them what the true kingdom of God is about. Because they would never had experienced that with the religious leaders they had. And so, as these Pharisees, you know, continue to observe Jesus and send spies out to, to question him, and to try to trap him in his words and make secret plans even to try to capture him at a time when no one is around so they could kill him, arrest him without the crowds. As they're going through all of this, they come up and ask him questions as if they really cared. And Jesus, in one gospel, after they ask this question, it says, he sighed deeply. And it's like, you know, he knew what they were thinking. He knew their hearts. And when they asked for a sign, it wasn't for the reason of, you know, trying to believe what he was saying, trying to see if he really was the Messiah. It was, you know, just prove yourself to me because we don't believe you. It was that type of thing. And so Jesus says, no. That's not the kind of person that I show signs to. Uh, your heart is wicked, and so you'll just have to go on your own. So really, that's so important with Jesus. You know, it, it, it's so much of a heart matter. 
when you come to him, if you're not a follower of him and you're looking, you know, the, the, the most crucial thing is, where is your heart? Are you truly seeking truth? Do you truly want to come to God and find out, you know, what he desires, what he requires of somebody to become a Christian or, or to receive forgiveness of sins? <clears throat> and so these, these Pharisees, of course, they just don't fit. They don't uh, even come close to entering that category. So Jesus just really doesn't have time for them, but anybody seeking him, he has time for. And anybody willing to come to him, he will, you know, give his life for. Now, <clears throat> when we go down to verse 13, in this passage, 13 to 20, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, now, you know, we were just saying a minute ago that the Pharisees demanded a sign from him. But now, he's going to ask his disciples. He asked them, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. <clears throat> so you have this major contrast here between the Pharisees who had rotten attitudes and hardened hearts and hate-filled hearts with Peter and the disciples who are following Jesus and they don't have all the answers, but they're trusting him and they're following and they're continuing even though you know, they have people really turning against them and they've had to give up so much. Yet, their faith in Jesus, it may not be the strongest, but it's there. And they're following him, trusting him. And so he says, well, who do people say I am? And they name, you know, some of the great saints of the past, including John the Baptist and some prophets. And then he says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And you see, that's all important. Who do we think Jesus is? Because so many people in the world have a respect for Jesus in some sense, but not for who he really is. And you have to take that great big step 
into believing that he is the eternal son of God, the one that the father sent to the earth to sacrifice himself so that we could have forgiveness of sins. And that's what's required to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's faith in Christ, that he is God's son, and that he came down to offer us forgiveness of sins through his sacrifice. And we have to come to him believing with all of our hearts that that's who he is and that that's our only hope of heaven, of eternal life. And so Jesus says to Simon, Peter, he says, Blessed are you, Simon, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. So he's saying, you know, you came to me and you've been following me, trusting, and now God has confirmed your trust. God has, in your heart, given you the confidence and allowed you to be able to see fully enough. You know, the disciples still had some ways to go, but at this point, he, they saw fully enough to where they could put their trust in him. And it would become even more you know, as time went on. But they were holding on in, in the hopes and faith. And <clears throat> he says, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And, you know, people have different ideas as to what this rock refers to. <clears throat> Peter's name is like the word rock in the Greek, but it's a little bit different. It's like Peter's name is like one rock, one, you know, rock that, uh, you know, you might stand on or something, whereas... Uh, the rock that Jesus says is what it's built upon, faith is built upon, is a mass of rock. <clears throat> so there's a little bit of a difference there, but it's kind of like a play on words. And I believe that what Jesus is saying is, upon this rock, upon the, your belief, upon your confession of faith that I am the Son of God, that I am the Messiah, uh, he says... I will build my church. And Peter did have a key part in the building of that church. He kind of led out. You know, Jesus kind of chose him as the leader of the apostles. And so he had a key role. So in another sense, you could say he had kind of a, a rock position. <laughs> Although the church wasn't built upon him, it was built on Christ. So you can see all the possible nuances there and the meanings that Jesus is referring to. But he says the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That's, you know, that Jesus is the Messiah and he is the one who sacrificed himself for our sins and that he is the way for us to be made right with God and we will enter the kingdom through belief in him. And he says the gates of hell will not be able to overcome that and and the gates of hell, the gates were, were, you know, armies were stationed when they went out to war or where they protected the, 
you know, the, that kingdom. They would, they would be right behind the gates to keep enemies from coming in. And they'd have their powerful army there. <clears throat> and he says, what he's saying there is, Satan's army will not be able to overcome this kingdom that's coming in through Christ, through belief in Christ. And all through church history, you know, the church has grown and spread throughout the whole world. And even as it has been trounced upon and beaten and persecuted and chased out of cities and houses burned down and every imaginable thing that could happen against the church, Satan has never been able to destroy it. It just, if it's wiped out in one city, it moves to another and grows even bigger. Then it, in places where there was persecution, years later, there are churches planted and churches growing. And so that's what happens as you're on God's side. And then he says, he will give him the kingdom, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And really, that's the gospel message. And so that, those keys are handed down generation to generation. And when we give out the gospel message, that's the entrance into the kingdom of heaven, if people accept it. <clears throat> and so as we are making our way toward Easter, and we've entered into the Lenten season, the Lenten Easter season, as I call it, and our mind is focused on moving toward the cross and toward the uh, burial, toward the resurrection, we see that Jesus is preparing his disciples for what he's going to be going through and what they're going to be going through, although they have not the greatest idea of what is going to be happening to them. But we're on that journey with them, and we know that turning to Christ is what it's all about. And having that good attitude, that believing, trusting, hopeful attitude toward Christ and what he's done, what he has said, what he has promised, and the sacrifice that he was willing to make. So um, I hope everyone during this time can focus on the Lord, even though there's so much going on around us. Keep in prayer for, you know, people with the virus, uh, people that are more susceptible. And if we can all be ready to help each other, that would be great. But God bless you and have a great day.